Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 25-8 Sportscast, episode 61. I'm your host, Tommy Fink, and alongside me today, as always, is Jet Rosenstein. Jet, you already know what I'm going to ask, so go ahead and tell us before I ask. I'm doing great, Tommy. Thanks for asking. There you go. I was excited to be along this bumpy roller coaster of a ride with you that this great podcast is. Another episode, obviously, we, we missed our last episode to kind of go over the Sunday slate of games and, you know, we had some technical difficulties with the soundboard. Well, but um, you know, really what happened, you, you just got to check our Instagram stories, you know, live updates 24-7. Since deleted Instagram story, but... uh, You deleted it? Yeah, man. Actually? No. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, Jet had some technical difficulties. I mean, I guess you can call it that um but we're back better than ever uh speaking of just give us an update on the player prop standings and the overall pick standings absolutely man i'm actually uh very very happy with with how this week went overall for myself um as far as the the standings go for the weekly pick i went 10 and 5 and got two of my four underdog picks correct Tommy went eight and seven, and whew, it looked like half of almost half the, the slate he picked were underdogs. He picked <laughs> three correct underdogs out of eight games. Um, so three and five for the underdog picks for him. And now this brings our total overall to me 57, 50, and one. And Tommy, 56, 51, and one. And then the underdog picks, I'm at 13 and 18. Tommy's at 14 and 22. So, you know, a nice, a nice size, sizable lead in the underdog department and definitely an incremental lead, if I'm going to put it that way, in the, uh, in, in the overall standings. Just to me, all that says is that I take more risks, honestly. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly happy being one game back. Uh, last week, actually, was the first Colts game this season that I picked correctly. Uh, so basically, I thought the trend was just I pick that they lose and they win. So I just started. I'm just going to start picking every team to beat them. But really, the Colts are just ass, and I yeah. don't know what they're going to do. And then the the player props as well. Before we uh, move okay. on, I, I made up some more ground, and I'm I'm very excited about it. I made up another half game, guys. Uh, ten and <laughs> ten and six for me on the week. Nine and seven. So I actually the game. I picked up a game. Yeah. Nine and seven on the week for Tommy. My record stands at I'm above 500. Let's make some noise. 47 and 56. Tommy is at an astounding 55 and 39. Wow. So about, That's profit. That's you know, profit right there. Seven, seven and a half game difference right there. Um, looking to make up some more ground this week. Hopefully um, continue moving things in the right direction for me. Yeah, for those of our viewers that uh, are very into prize picks, you know, it's clear whose analysis you should listen to when we do pick props for these NFL games. For some of them, yeah. No, I mean, well, I'm just going to leave it at that. Because... For, for those who listened to our last episode, I did get all Thursday night player props correct. I was three for three. I was talking about But did you three. profit? Did you profit? Yes, profited. No, you did not. Yes. But the, the difference is I lost profit. So that's just, you know – just goes to show I'm a face you can trust, a voice you can trust. Uh, I stand by all my picks, and so is my wallet. Right, right. 
Uh, let's go ahead and get into our week nine consensus 25-8 sports power rankings, Jet. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, so we're like, like always, we're going to read 32 through 11, and then we'll do a little deeper dive. We'll frost some fish, and we'll get oh, yeah. into the top 10 where um, a, lot, a lot of stuff has changed even in this short time, but we saw some surprising finishes, surprising results from last week. So, therefore, our power rankings will show as such. So, um, number 32, we, we got a different team for the first time in, in quite a while. We have the Houston Texans, mm. uh, both consensus, 32 for both of us. Then 31, the Las Vegas Raiders, 30, the Carolina Panthers, 29, the Jacksonville Jaguars, 28, the Detroit Lions, 27, the Pittsburgh Steelers, 26, the Denver Broncos, 25, the Washington Commanders, 24, the Chicago Bears, 23, the New Orleans Saints, 22, the Indianapolis Colts, 21, the Arizona Cardinals, 20, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 19, the New England Patriots, 18, the Los Angeles Rams, 17, the Green Bay Packers, 16, the Atlanta Falcons, 15, the New York Jets, 14, the Los Angeles Chargers, 13, the Cleveland Browns, 12, the Cincinnati Bengals, and 11, the New York Giants. Anything uh, in particular stand out, or do you want me to just to go over some of the ones that were pretty well, far apart on? You had the Colts pretty high. I have them. I have the Colts at 20, so seven spots higher than you do. I mean, I have the Colts at 27, a little bit high, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I mean, they had the game. They, they had the game, and then obviously they blew it. Not, yeah. Obviously, not what you want to see. Sam Ellinger didn't look bad. I don't know if no, you have a different take on him, but. Uh, I don't. Well, here's the thing. I, I, last week was my first week not watching Colts games until Frank Reich is fired. So, and that's, this is the first time I haven't watched a Colts game in probably five years since the last time I missed a Colts game. And here's the thing. I didn't miss it. I really didn't miss it. I, I saved myself the stress. The only thing I saw was what was on NFL red zone. And, you know, I was, I had a happy Sunday as opposed to what I would have had, had I been watching and had I falsely, uh, give myself hope and thinking that the Colts have a chance at, you know, making the playoffs and beyond this year. Um, my attention is shifted to baseball. I don't know if any of you guys know that Jed, I don't know if you knew, knew the Phillies are in the world series right now. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. But yeah. That doesn't have much to do with anything right now, but we will talk about that later. So Ellinger, from what I saw, he looked all right. Frank Reich didn't really actually, you know what? Let me break it down really quickly. Frank Reich didn't let him throw the ball that much because I don't know what, what Reich thought he had to lose by letting Ellinger throw the ball. There's literally two outcomes that could happen if we let Ellinger play. We lose. He sucks. We go all the way down to the top of the draft board. Or he plays well, and we win, and we make the playoffs. Frank Reich, just another dipshitted decision by him. And we also fired our offensive coordinator, this week who by the way does not call offensive plays so you know you guys can just kind of tell me 
tell me the definition of scapegoat because if that's not what shows up, then I don't know what will. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I, that, that, that move definitely doesn't, doesn't matter. I mean, he, yeah, like you said, it's it's just shows that uh, Frank Reich is being the scapegoat in this situation, obviously yep. casting the blame on others. And, uh, you know, I, I believe this is probably his, his final season. I don't know if you think the Colts will stick with him. I don't see well, a reason they should, but. Ursa and Ballard backed Reich, and they did say that he's not, his job isn't in danger. So. Uh, well, he's got, I, in my opinion, he's the 32nd best head coach in football right now. Who will be the Indianapolis Colts starting quarterback in 2023? I don't know. I forget his name. I think he, he starts for, you know, he starts for Ohio State. Oh, that's right. Stroud. Let's get it. Let's get it up for Stroud, everybody. You know, three wins. Three wins is not entirely too much to to still have the number one overall pick. The tie may hurt. I don't I know if hurt. I see the, but we tie the Texans, who we're going to be competing with for this True. number one pick, hopefully. Um, other other you know notable differences that I wanted to point out. There's a six spot difference between where we have the Detroit Lions. I have them at 31. Tommy has them at 25. Um, obviously the Colts was one of them. Another one, I have the Atlanta Falcons at 18. Tommy has the Atlanta Falcons at 13. Um, I have the Cleveland Browns at 16. Tommy has the Cleveland Browns at 11. Any, either any of those, you know, stand out to you? I think you have the Browns a little bit low just because, I mean, they're, they're, they're staying afloat. That's all they had to do until Deshaun Watson is able to come back and play. Obviously, if he comes back and he's not good, then I'll move him straight back down the board. But uh, for, for what they're doing, to be three and five right now, that's kind of like what everybody said they kind of had to do to just give them a chance at the playoffs. And I don't know, Deshaun Watson, when he was with the Texans with a much worse roster, was a shoe-in for the playoffs every single season back when he was playing every year, obviously. Yeah, I was just looking back at my – uh confidential records to see where I had the Cleveland Browns through eight games and I had them at two and six. So, you know, a game difference, obviously, and they're in a better spot than I think most people thought they maybe would be without Deshaun Watson. Yeah. And Jacoby Brissett has played pretty well and Sean Watson is is right around the corner. And we don't know if Deshaun Watson will be his, you know, normal self in the preseason. Definitely look rusty, but right. I think it'll definitely take a few games for him to get back to where he was. And I still think the Browns aren't going to make the playoffs though. So what, what game did you hammer real hard that the Browns are going to lose, but they did actually win. Let's take a look. I had, um, so the two wins I had for the Browns were the Jets and the Falcons. They lost to the Jets and they, they lost to the Falcons too, right? The, I'm pretty sure that they did lose to the Falcons. It was like a – it was either overtime or like a last second. It was, believe, it, was, yeah. it was one of those games that was close. Yeah, I believe they lost to the Falcons. So, I, so, so the Browns, I'll the wins them. that they, they do have that I was wrong about, the Browns beat the Panthers, they beat the Bengals, and I believe they beat the Steelers week three. No, so – the Falcons won 23-20. Yeah. 
Okay. Or yeah, that that is that's what we said. Yeah, that's so, what we said. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. And great analysis yeah. there. Keep following that analysis. <laughs> Keep following that analysis. You was that a player prop? Was picks. that a player prop or was that a, a memory a memory check? I'm not too sure what we're trying to get out here. We're from Hard Rock. Uh, but let's get into the top ten. Enough of these yeah. teams that are relevant don't matter. Uh, or led by Frank Reich. Yeah, absolutely, man. So let's get into the top ten, man. Uh, ten. We have the Seattle Seahawks. I have them at number twelve. Tommy has them at number ten. Obviously, a, a pretty big win beating the Giants, who only had one loss coming in. Was it though? Yeah, I, it is. The Giants were playing really good football, and and we get it. Seattle's a very tough place to play in regardless of who's on the team. But the Seahawks have looked very, very good so far this year. Obviously, Russell Wilson was the problem to begin with. It wasn't Pete Carroll. Geno Smith has been suitable enough to be a a decent replacement. Obviously, they have all those offensive weapons, the emergence of Kenneth Walker defense. Yeah, it doesn't have a ton of talent across the board, but they're getting the job done. Seattle Seahawks, we didn't think they would sniff anywhere near the top 10, and we got them in the top 10 heading into week number nine. Yeah, I mean, the like, like we both had them winning like no more than two or three games this year. We were, I mean, we were both saying, you know, this team is is destined for the number one overall pick, and here they are at four and four. Aren't they leading the West currently? I believe so. I what's the Niners record? The Niners. Are- I've actually the Niners are the Niners might be four and four as well. No, no, the, the Seahawks are five and three. The 49ers are four and four. The Seahawks are five. And, that's five and three. Crazy. It really three is game, crazy. Three game winning streak. And I believe they play, yeah, they play the Cardinals this week. So uh, I'm looking at, six, uh, this is interesting, actually. I'm looking at the next five games for the Seahawks are against teams that are currently under 500. And obviously that includes teams like the Bucs and the Rams who have been struggling, but it's still something to keep an eye on because they play the Cardinals, Bucs, Raiders, Seahawks, and Panthers their next five games. Do you think they have a realistic shot at holding down the top of the division? I do, really. I I really do. And I think I mentioned this before on the show. One of our listeners, uh, Aiden, we we did have a bet. I forget how many games it was, but it might have been like, like like nine uh he said if they win nine games i own yeah. 20 if if they don't win nine he owes me 20 i thought that was an absolute lock of 20 dollars for me uh you know you live and learn and hopefully i won't have to learn too hard from this yeah i also did place a futures bet before the season started on the giants having less than seven wins so yeah so funny thing is i you know come on i'll you know check ourselves here and i'm gonna check myself here with where i had the seahawks three games i had the seahawks at two and six with their – I got one of their wins right, one win against the Giants. And then okay. their other win, I had them um, <laughs> beating the Falcons. And I believe the Falcons won that game, if, if I'm not mistaken there. But I don't know if – I don't know if we can get some memory analysis Let me here. look. Let me look. But uh, – <laughs> uh, Seahawks, Falcons. Let's... Falcons won. Okay. Falcons won. Yeah. The Falcons won on September 25th. Yeah, yeah. I remember so, that. So, <laughs> um, so from based on my predictions from week nine on, I had the uh, Seahawks obviously going 0 and 8. Obviously, that ends up not, I don't think that'll end up being the case, but uh. <laughs> I don't think so either. Uh, you know, enough checking ourselves. 
just 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 for some of them, like the Seahawks. Yeah, you had to check yourself a little bit. Uh, maybe maybe not this next one. Number nine, we have the Tennessee Titans. Uh, kind of, dude. They're five I, and two right now. Yeah, I have them at nine. <laughs> I have them at nine. Tommy has them at number eight. No, they were without Ryan Tannehill. We got to see Malik Willis for the first time as a starter this season, and he didn't do anything great. It was just the Derrick Henry show the whole game. Not really much from him, and they were yeah. also playing the Texans. Can't really take much away from the game other than the fact the Titans look like they're destined to win this division again, considering they're on a five-game winning streak after starting 0-2 and all the issues that they said about the defense, you know, no Harold Landry. There's no, like, flashy names on the defense. Collectively, as a unit, they're playing really well, and I know Tommy is going to start choking up once he starts talking about this, but anything no, you want to add? No, I'm absolutely fine. I just – it's the same thing, dude. I mean, we we both tagged this team. It's becoming increasingly apparent that our in-season analysis is much better than our out-of-season analysis. Yeah. Granted, this was our first off-season of the podcast. We This is our first football season of the podcast. Our podcast started uh, either right before or right after the Super Bowl last season. It was so right after the Super Bowl. I can't right remember out, right if mock episodes or not. Mock, so, mock, so episode. After. <laughs> mock okay. episode was the Super Bowl, yeah. Yeah, whenever we reference a mock episode, that just means that uh, I didn't have any of my equipment yet. So for about two months, we were just doing these podcasts, but not releasing yeah. them to anybody. Their story, yeah, they're stored somewhere in the 25-8 um, time capsule. Maybe we'll, and maybe, we'll maybe, yeah. Five-year anniversary of the first one. Insider out. insider access, twelve ninety nine a month to get to get a <laughs> glimpse of all the all the free all that content. So. Exactly, and you know maybe maybe if uh, you you want a glimpse of what it may have looked like, go listen to episode zero. <laughs> Um, you know, enough about that, but yeah, I mean, we, but what I was getting at when I said, you know, our off season analysis wasn't the greatest, we both tagged the Titans as a seven or eight win team. Well, I had them as a nine win team, but still, 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 I'm checking myself, you know, (laughs) no, you're checking me basically. So regardless, I don't, I don't see a world where they only win seven, eight or nine games this year. Um, but a lot of that is we also thought a lot of the teams in the NFL are going to be better. And I think a lot of you guys listening at home can probably agree with us and, and kind of have our back and saying that the NFL season has been very strange. this yeah. year. Absolutely. Really like I told Jet this before the show, there's like four teams that I think could win the Super Bowl and that's it. Yeah. Um, but five. I'm five probably in my opinion, but uh, well, you know. you know, bias aside four, but you know, I'm, I'm checking myself right now, and, and I'm looking at the division standings. I would say, like, 90% of the divisions we have, they're honestly flipped around right now, which is pretty – They are. Pretty <laughs> they remarkable. really are. They yeah. really are. I mean, the Panthers were just battling for first place against the Falcons. So. <laughs> if, 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 if I were to turn my monitor over right now, then you would have <laughs> the correct like, standings. spot on. <laughs> We'd be absolutely spot on with everything. <laughs> Number eight. The Miami Dolphins. Great I, have them, I have them at number seven. Tommy has them at number nine. Another another nice win, come from behind win for this Dolphins team. That is five and zero oh, when two attack of Iloa has taken the field. Tyree kills on pace to set records at the wide receiver position. Go along with the fact that Jalen Waddle's having another fantastic year. And now with all the defensive struggles, we're bringing in Bradley Chubb in that deal that happened right before the deadline. 
yesterday. And I think this defense is going to see a significant improvement with getting to the quarterback. You're going to need to get to the quarterback if you want to contend with Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes um, on the offense. I don't, I'm not really concerned at all other than maybe the offensive line, but two has done a nice job keeping his head off the ground and staying, staying on his feet. Looks good as ever. He is the franchise quarterback. He is going to get paid after we make a nice run in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I have some concerns for the Dolphins because they were the same team last year, plus Tyreek Hill now this year. And last year, that defense was the highlight. And, you know, we were told if we get a, a contending offense, then this team is going to be scary. And I kind of agreed with that statement. And when they got Tyreek Hill, I was higher on the Dolphins than I was in, uh, prior to that. I had them going 12-5 and five this year, actually. Um, but the thing is, they are now – letting up quite a few points to that offenses. The the Lions, obviously, is the most recent example of that. Uh, it's given up 27 points and really given up points on all of the first four drives that the Lions had. And starting starting the game down 14-0, I actually live bet the game. I knew the Dolphins were going to win. I live bet the game Dolphins money line. It was like, uh, I think it was like 100 to win 250 or something. It was something crazy odds. Um I knew the Lions weren't going to hold on to being a serious opponent. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm a little concerned about the Dolphins' defense. The offense has been firing in all cylinders. Um, but I'm going to need the Dolphins' defense to step up before I tag them as serious contenders. They will. And I, I, I would have been concerned, too, if it wasn't for this acquisition of Bradley Chubb. Obviously, there's still issues with the secondary. Which, with you got to admit, that's a massive overpay. Not at all. Not at all. Not, not even close. Especially we're about to extend him. Um, it, it's not an overpay at all. A first for, for a guy that's 26 years old and one right. and is one of the most underrated pass rushers, I think, in the NFL. I thought that about Yannick Ngakwe. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> who really knows what we're getting from these AFC West teams? Fair, fair. The I, I don't, I just can't see a first because currently it is a rental. He's currently a rental. We he hasn't been extended. Yeah. A first and Chase Edmonds, who, you know, it hurts to lose 2.8 yards per carry wherever you can lose it. Uh, but a first and Chase Edmonds for a rental, I think. But what it's if it's not a rental, though? But if they get it, if they get a really good contract, I think he's going to want to be paid more than he should be anyway. Um, I still think that depending on, obviously, who the Broncos can get with that pick, I think the Broncos have a really good chance to win this trade. You know, like air quotes around win because who really wins trades years down the line but I think there's potential for both teams to win the trade but I, it was it didn't strike me as like you know now the Dolphins are serious that's uh, fine I mean I, I trust I trust our the Dolphins front office I mean that the last several first round picks that they had to trade ended up going into some form of Jalen Waddle, Tyree Kill and now Bradley Chubb I kind of like the sound of that I don't know about you but um, it's, it seems pretty good down in South Beach at the Rock where it's bumping right now uh let me quick what was what did robert what did the bears get for robert quinn a fourth rounder or is it fifth round that's or something so that's like he's also so much older he's he's he is six years older yeah but no yeah but the thing is is like if you can't retain bradley chubb and he can't retain his play for another six years they don't they don't make that trade unless they know for sure they're going to retain bradley chubb uh I don't know. I've seen free agents before, Jet. He's not going anywhere. He just okay. took Chase Edmonds' number. He's here to stay. 
<laughs> That's why you traded him. <laughs> you know, we'll throw him in. <laughs> Fuck him. You want number two? We'll give it to you. Get out of here. Uh, number seven. <laughs> the Baltimore Ravens. I have them at number eight. Tommy has them at number seven. Obviously, they also made some very, very nice moves at the trade deadline, adding Roquan Smith to a defense that, you know, is, has looked okay and a lot of injuries always with this Ravens team on both sides of the ball. More Now more so on the offensive side of the ball, Rashad Bateman now out. Uh, J.K. Dobbins has been out. But uh, this Ravens – Mark Andrews just got hurt too. Mark Andrews as well. Yeah, Ravens team beat, beat a struggling team, Tampa Bay team on the road last week. Didn't do really anything unbelievable. It was just a, it was the type of game where they were just not playing a, a good opponent at the time. But I mean, I still think there's there still should be high expectations for this Ravens team, especially in that race for the AFC North, where both teams you know have their ups and downs. It seems like so far this season, but um, Ravens top ten team right now. Yeah, no doubt about it. And Roquan Smith, I think, really is. If he's not the best linebacker in football, he's second or third. And, you know, you can't really debate that. So to add a guy of this caliber, it doesn't matter what the position is. If you can have such a massive positional advantage and add it to an already good football team, it's going to make your team a lot better. And, and the Ravens linebackers weren't really, you know, wowing you. Um, Roquan Smith – or, yeah, Roquan Smith is more of like a, a coverage back um, – you know, off ball linebacker. And I think he's going to be able to do a lot of things that, you know, maybe Patrick queen wasn't able to do for this Ravens team. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you combine both of them. I think that this defense, at least in the middle is going to be tough to beat. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Uh, number six, we have the San Francisco 49ers. I have them at number six, Tommy, them Tommy is now high on them all of a sudden and has them at number four. Um, I mean, it, it was a good win for them. We got to see what Christian McCaffrey was was really capable of. Obviously, a big win against the Rams. Uh, this offense looks really, really good, and they're going to continue to get fully healthy. I know they finally have guys back now, but now we kind of got a glimpse of what we're going to see, and that was without Debo Samuel. So add that additional weapon in, and this, this team is going to be a real threat. In the NFC, I, I still believe that the 49ers are the biggest threat to the Philadelphia Eagles come playoff time. And I obviously it's just a case of what this NFC is looking like right now, but you know, you still have the Seahawks there and we'll see. It looks like it's going to be more of a competition between the Seahawks and 49ers and the 49ers and Rams, like, like you may have yeah. thought, but um, 49ers number six for me, but wouldn't be surprised if they're in the top five after the bright week. Yeah. The, the thing about the Niners is first of all, we got to see the two best quarterbacks on the roster uh, last week and Christian McCaffrey and Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Trey Lance got to watch from the sidelines. The next thing about this Niners team is they're, su they're such a complete team. And, you know, it's kind of an old-ish joke, and it's not really even a joke, but they their biggest opponent is Jimmy Garoppolo, and he has been for, for some time now. He's, I, But I don't know if I can blame him for any losses, really. I don't know if I can blame what he's done on anything that the 49ers have done. But the flip side of that is, you know, teams that win Super Bowls, they have a quarterback more time, more often than not. Obviously, you know, we, we see teams win like with Russell Wilson um, making shithead mistakes. But more often than not, a quarterback is going to 
win you a game somewhere along the playoff run. A quarterback is going to have to carry his team, really dig deep and make some plays. And that's the thing that we don't see with Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's why until, I mean, they're, they're not going to get above four. They are going to go down before they go up for me. Cause until Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance are show that they're able to, they're, they're able to win regardless of what's around them. Because like we just saw when they were injured, they got destroyed by the chiefs. Um, so it, it's just the, the Niners need to, Figure something out. The scheme is great. Shanahan's doing a great job. The offensive weapons are doing a great job. The defense is doing a great job. Jimmy Garoppolo is really the only question mark. Absolutely, man. Uh, number five for us, we were in, in agreement Fuck on you. this one. <laughs> <laughs> the Minnesota Vikings, who continue to impress to begin this season. They are currently 6-1, and one, top of the NFC North, have a two and a – yeah, no, a three – three-game lead on the Green Bay Packers right now. Um, this Vikings team has looked good, uh, and more so obviously on the offensive side of the ball, and now they just bring in someone like a TJ Hawkinson from the Detroit Lions at that in-division trade. Another weapon for Kirk Cousins. I think it's only going to make this offense stronger. Still concerns on the defense, but, um, you know, the Vikings are playing the schedule that they're given, and obviously it's not a ton of great opponents, but they're taking care of business. Obviously, their one loss is back on Monday Night Football to the Philadelphia Eagles. Quick, check yourself here. I had the Minnesota Vikings with five wins up to this point. I had them losing to the Dolphins and also losing to the Eagles. Obviously, they didn't lose to the Dolphins because Tua wasn't playing. But, um, Tommy, what do you think? Absolutely, man. Um, Well, yeah, the – I'm not going to check myself because I did have the Vikings. I was preaching Vikings all off season. You, you remember that year. You first. didn't believe me at first and you slowly started to get, hop on. And then well, all of a sudden, the defense. It was well, the no, defense. listen, listen to me. And then all of a sudden I hear, I, I think the Vikings win this division, Tommy, uh, you know, you guys could go back and listen to wherever that happened. What, what episode that may have been somewhere in the twenties, probably. Um, but yeah, it, I, I, I rubbed off on jet. And you know, for the better. Well, not not for not everywhere though, because he definitely didn't rub off rough, rub off on me for the Raiders. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jet, that may have been the stupidest shit you ever said. Well, you said it, you said the stupid <laughs> shit first. So, well, here's the thing: uh, the Vikings are a good football club. I don't know where else I, what else I was gonna say. T.J. Hawkinson is not gonna stomp. Or thwart or Smith's role, I don't he's think hurt. so. He's hurt. But I'm saying when he comes back, he's you not know, coming back. <laughs> Irv Smith is still here to stay. He's, he's gonna be a great quarterback for or a great tight end for years to come for this team. Number four, <laughs> the oh, absolutely man. Number four, the Dallas Cowboys. I have them in number four. Tommy has them in number six. They are proving to be a real threat. Not only in the NFC, but in the NFL in general, their defense continues to play at a high level. Uh, their offense is going to continue to look good once Dak Prescott is finally back and looking like himself. We, we saw some flashes of him last week. Tony Pollard is the better running back than Ezekiel Elliott, and oh the Cowboys God, are still ridiculous. probably going to give Zeke a ton of touches once he returns back from injury after they get back from the bye week. But um, surprise, honestly, the Cowboys didn't make any additions to their receiving room in, in the trade deadline, but Cowboys are an elite team and they deserve to be this high in the power rankings. 
How many times does Pollard have to take the ball in from like the 20 yard line or further away to actually get some starting snaps? I don't understand. I don't know. Like, what are, what are they even doing? Like, Zeke runs his contract. It's uh, who cares? Cut losses. But it is. They will. I think they will after the season. I think they will. They have to, or else uh, I'll never be taken seriously, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, the Cowboys are. You know, the Cowboys are the Cowboys. Let's Absolutely. Move on. Let's, let's do Absolutely. some jumbling here. Oh, yeah. We're in the top <laughs> three. We got we to do some jumbling together. Absolutely, man. You got that right, man. Let's do this, man. Uh, number one, we got the Philadelphia Eagles. Two, we got the Buffalo Bills. Three, Kansas City Chiefs. We're in agreement. We're in consensus. Um, not much to say about this top three teams, obviously. The Chiefs had a bye week last week. The Bills destroyed the pa- – not destroyed, but beat the Packers handedly. And then the Eagles still have not lost a game yet. Anything new and interesting you want to highlight about the – probably the, the three favorites to win the Super Bowl? Well, Robert Quinn – the Robert Quinn addition for the Eagles was massive. And to only give up a fourth-round pick was – I mean, crazy. it's awesome. And not to mention this Eagles team – is likely picking in the top six this year again because they do have the New Orleans Saints first round draft pick. So the the Eagles are here to stay. Yeah. I, I mean, can I get some props for just saying that Jalen Hurts will be the next Josh Allen? Absolutely, man. What do you I want? mean, the arm talent is there. The arm talent's there, yeah. and I would I would argue the running ability is better than Josh Allen. And he's definitely he's definitely more careful with the ball, both as far as ball yeah, security right, goes. Right. Right. Yeah. And. and it's hard to beat a team that's going to score if you're not getting turnovers. It's virtually impossible. Um, so if you're going to play a team that's going to put up 20 to 25 points a game and they're not giving you the ball for free, you're not going to win. And that's exactly why the Philadelphia Eagles are 7-0 and and they convincingly beat every single one of their opponents so far. Um, Bills looked good against the Packers on Sunday Night Football. And the Chiefs just coming off of a bye week, but before that, absolutely destroying who I have as the fourth best team in the league, San Francisco 49ers. I think it's pretty clear cut that after these three teams is a massive skill drop off for the rest of the NFL. Only, only uh, of, of those three teams, the only ones defeating them outside of the top three are the Dolphins and Colts. So that's something to keep an eye out. Dolphins beating the Bills, Colts beating the Chiefs. Um, and the Bills beating the Chiefs. Those are the only three losses yeah. among the top three. And teams. one of those teams is not like the other. Spot the difference. Well, you know, I couldn't. So yeah. let's go ahead and move on to Thursday night football, Jet. But we'll do that after we talk about baseball, or do you want to talk about football first? No, I like to stay on that NFL <laughs> mood. I'm in the mood now. By the way, the NBA season started. Just, you know, throwing that out <laughs> there. <laughs> Have the Lakers won a game yet? Uh, they did. I, I bet against them, and they won against the Nuggets. That's their only win. Well, congrats to them. No, seriously, congrats to them. Eagles and Texans. <laughs> Looks like it's going to be a close game. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> 1-5-1 versus 7-0-0. Jets to douchebag. Uh, Jalen Hurts versus Davis Mills. The QB comparison couldn't really get much closer. Um QB rating is only a difference of 25 points. Say the line. And... Say the line, and I'll bring out the hammer. <laughs> the line is 
The Eagles are favored to win by two touchdowns and two extra points. Minus 14 in this one. <laughs> am, I, am I getting a year from you? Ah, <laughs> oh, this is a tough one. I don't think I can hammer this one. Okay. Say it was minus nine and a half. Are you hammering? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ten and a half? I think they went by ten. Okay. So... I don't know. Uh, it's, Texans are bad. They're really bad. They are. But it's a Thursday night game, and crazy stuff happens on Thursday night. The Eagles probably won't even be up to par with how they usually are playing, being it's a short week. Right. Therefore, I, I want to say that I'm going to just, you know, use a screwdriver on this line. <laughs> do do I have to wait for a prop or no, no, just, are we good to continue the show? Just uh you know what? <laughs> screw the screwdrivers. I'm putting some pliers on this line. Yeah, this is a sports show. I don't really know what's going on over in, in Jets neck of the woods right now. I'm actually gonna take the Texans to cover this spread. I think the Texans are gonna cover 14 fairly easily here. The total set at 45, 44 and a half. And for that to happen and for the spread to be a decent spread, that would either mean one of two things. That would mean that the Eagles blow out the Texans 34 10, or it's going to be a closer game like 24 to 20 or 28 17. And in both of those second uh, uh, final scores, the Texans cover the spread. And so that's that's what I'm thinking for now because I, I'm not seeing on a Thursday night game a 34-10 finish or like a 35-7. Like, I, I don't think that happens. The Eagles have been kind of showing tendencies to let up off the gas a little bit. They showed that when they almost blew a 21-0 lead to the Cowboys on Sunday night football. Uh, and they also almost lost to the Lions earlier in the season late in the game. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with the Texans to cover the spread here. But I do have the Eagles winning outright, Jet. Yeah, I, I do have the Eagles winning as well. I don't think they're going to cover that spread. I, I, I like I said, I think it's going to be a ten point victory for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, it'll it'll be a decent game just because of how good the Eagles are, and we'll get to see them, you know, prime time instead of watching the Broncos for a twelfth game in a row right. on prime time. But nice. um, I want to get to some player prop. Pick say that through Thomas Fast. Okay, um, will do. Miles Sanders of the Philadelphia Eagles going up against a really, really bad Houston Texans running rushing attack that just gave up over 200 yards to Derrick Henry. Um, Miles Sanders' prize player prop is set at 92 and a half rushing plus receiving wow. guys. We're doing a combo oh. here, jumbling it together. He has hit this number. In one of his past five games, do you think he goes over or under this number? I think he goes under this number. I don't see the Eagles being super eager to run the football. Um, and when they do, it's not always Miles Sanders. And he also has not been involved in the receiving game at all this season. Um, so uh, that means they're either thinking he has a big receiving game or is his rushing prop set at like 85 or somewhere around there? His rushing prop set at 79 and a half. Okay. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the under on this. I am taking the over. I think with, with this Texans defense, I think 
probably all, all except maybe for a few yards he's going to get from the rushing game. I think he probably gets around 80, 85 yards on the ground and then throws in a couple of catches to put him over that 92 and a half number. Um, I like Miles Sanders a lot to eclipse that number. Let's go to does this. Well, quickly, does this have anything to do with your recent trade acquisition? No, in fantasy I, football. No, you know, it's just a matter of looking at a matchup <laughs> and looking at someone that has a really good matchup and just trying to trying to kind of gauge, you know, whether we think this player is going to you know, eclipse that number. Uh, AJ Brown. <laughs> Another guy we should talk about here obviously had a huge game against the Pittsburgh Steelers last week where he went mm. absolutely off and kind of showed what, what he was capable of doing. Let's talk about his receptions player prop, which is set at five receptions. He has hit or went above that number in four of the past five games. What do you think? Do you think A.J. Brown goes over or under that number? I think he goes over it, and I think he does it in the first half because uh, I think we're going to see a lot of running the football in the second half from the Eagles. Absolutely. So, yeah. so give me give me A.J. Brown. I, I like to over. think that he's going to go over here, but I just have this weird feeling that he's going to go under and that we see some sort of Devontae Smith-type game in this one where he kind of is has the spotlight on him. So, therefore, I, I think – They have that, been alternating, really. Right. Yeah, they have. I, I think this is the type of game where the Eagles don't really have to pass the ball to begin with. And, therefore, I'm going to say that A.J. Brown will hit the under four or five receptions. Um, I fucking respect that, Jed. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Taking some risks, other, 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 unlike some others on this show. You know what? Other, let's, other... Yeah, let's – um. <laughs> We should give the Texans some love. We can't just do all yeah. Eagles player props here. Um, let's do a Davis Mills player prop, and I I'm, I'm intrigued by this one, and I, I don't know if I don't know if you are or not, but I I find this one very fascinating. We're looking at Davis Mills rushing yards, okay? Okay. Over the past, okay, so his player prop is set at one and a half rushing yards, okay? <laughs> Over the past five games, he's averaging two rushing yards a game. He has a game last week where he had eight rushing yards, and then a game against the Jaguars where he had two rushing yards. The other three games he had zero. What are you thinking? Um, tricky no, one. Gonna... Tricky one. I'm going under. I'm not seeing any QB sneaks in this one. So I'm going to say Davis Mills goes under one and a half rushing yards. It's a tough one. You never know when, when he's going to break away for one. No, but um... <laughs> I think they want to keep the franchise safe. Yeah. They're not going to send him outside the pocket too much. I'm going to say the under as well. I think one and a half is just too steep of a hill to climb. Leave him alone, man. He's a good yeah, QB. No, I know, he's, I know. He's I a know. great QB. He's averaging, uh, what? We love you, Davis. 200 really. yards a game yeah, this year. So. Yeah. Well, a little under 200 yards a game. Yeah, man. A little under one touchdown a game. Yeah. A little under one interception again. <laughs> All right. Uh, that does it for football. Let's get to the more important sport now. I've been itching to talk about this one. Have a great day, guys. Oh. Philadelphia Phillies, Houston Astros World Series Game 3 has just concluded. And we are on the brink of Game 4 in which we will see Aaron Nola versus Christian Javier at the bank. But first, Jet, let's talk about the moments that we've had to get here. Jet, what are your thoughts on games one and three? 
Yeah. Um, game one, obviously the Phillies took care of business, which they needed to what they needed to split the series in in Houston those first two games, and they got the job done in in game one. Um, you you were the Astros weren't going to go both games without picking up one of those wins. They just couldn't do it. They couldn't no. afford to do it. Um, game three, obviously what happened last night on on Tuesday night. Lance McCullers just didn't bring it. And I know, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff going on right now about the tipping of his pitches, um, which, you know, credit to Bryce Harper, you know, picking that up and relaying that to Unreal. Alec Bohm and, and the rest of his team. Cause obviously Alec Bohm took advantage of that, hit that home run. I'm sure he told Brandon Marsh about, it. I'm sure he told the whole team and they took advantage of that. Unfortunately for the Astros, I guess they didn't pick that up because maybe <laughs> if they picked it up, after the first couple of home runs, maybe the lead is not as bad as it is. Not that that would have mattered anyway, because the Astros couldn't put up any runs yeah. to begin with. But uh, were you watching that game? I watched some of the game. I didn't, I didn't watch the full game. I watched from like the, the fourth, fifth inning on. Okay. But um, uh, after Alec Bohm's homer, you know how they do the stupid shit where Ken Rosenthal interviews anyone yeah, that does yeah, anything yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um. He goes to Alec Bohm. He says, "Cause well." Let me backtrack a little further for those of you that may not have seen this clip. Uh, and you, you didn't watch the game when it happened. Uh, Harper hit his homer. He gets into the dugout, immediately goes, boom, boom, Alec, Alec. Calls Alec Boom over, whispers in his ear, covering his mouth, like covering his mouth, like super secretive. It, it was honestly like it, it could have been very sketchy. Um, and saying whatever the fuck he said. <laughs> Alec then goes <laughs> uh, – uh, what's his name? Nick Castellanos ended the inning. Uh, and then the next, the first pitch of the next inning, Alec Bohm drives a two seamer that never got more than 15 feet off the ground over the left field wall. Uh, Ken Rosenthal goes to Bohm and they do this stupid, stupid, stupid interview. Uh, we saw Bryce call you over from the on deck circle. Uh, you might tell us what, what was that conversation about? <laughs> Alec looks at the camera starts laughing his ass off and says well <laughs> that's between me and him <laughs> and then continues to laugh in the camera and never says another word and then ken says back to you <laughs> it may have been the i mean that was like the first time i actually uh thoroughly enjoyed these dugout interviews that, the, that they're trying to turn baseball into football for uh but no that it was it was hilarious it really was if, if you haven't seen that clip go watch it it's it's very funny um but yeah as a phillies fan i am unbelievably happy with where the phillies are right now i think and i told you i told jet this off the show and i told everybody on air um i think that whoever wins the game one has a serious serious advantage in this series just because it was like it's the same thing for both of these teams i mentioned the phillies you know all these guys this is their first time in the playoffs, regardless of age. Gene Segura was the longest tenured player to never make the playoffs. 11 years is his first playoff run. Bryce Harper made the playoffs like once. Um, JT Romuto obviously never did with the Marlins and the Phillies. Uh, and, you know, Nolo's homegrown Zach Wheeler was on that Mets 2015 team, but he was injured. Um, so, the young team wins game one. They keep the confidence. And on the flip side, if the Astros had won game one, it crushes the Phillies' confidence 
And it also helps the Astros confidence because they are still in the technical rut of never winning what would be widely considered to be a real ring. Um, so what are your thoughts on, on kind of how – do you think game one had an effect on maybe game three? Because like we both mentioned, it's impossible to go into Houston and win both. Yeah, I mean – I don't really hold much weight into. I, I get. I know there's a there's a stat out there that whoever wins game one wins the series, whatever x amount of time. And I think it's like 50, 60 percent somewhere in that range. And it obviously it, historically it bodes well for whoever that team is. But whether like honestly, but you could look at it another way. Like the Phillies winning winning game two would have honestly could have could argue be better because going on that flight back to Philly. Um, right. It's a lot more enjoyable than having to deal with coming off of a loss, but I guess they looked at it. They were coming off a loss, but better things are ahead since they're going back to Philly where they, you know, are going to well, do I, well just because they're playing in front of that crowd. Right. I, I was, I was thinking more along the lines of these two teams, two teams specifically, not necessarily just the structure of the playoffs. Yeah. Um, Meaning like, I don't think, I think if the, if the Astros win game one, I still think they win game two. And then I think it kind of just is a snowball effect for Philly. And that, right. that is, that's sort of the thing I was, I was trying to get out there. I got you. If you can interpret it a little bit better next yeah, time. Absolutely, man. <laughs> uh, game four tonight, Aaron Nola and Christian Javier. Like I said, our, we've had three losses our, our whole entire playoff run. That's Blake Snell, Max Freed, and Framber Valdez. What those guys have in common is that they are all, all lefty pitchers. And or actually, I think we did beat Max. I, Kyle Wright is the other one. But but the, uh, so the what do they two, have in common? Listen, what? What do they have in common? <laughs> are they all lefties? <laughs> the latest two, uh Freiber Valdez and Blake Snell, they were left-handed pitchers. Uh, is Jet just, you know, pointing out as if it's funny for some reason. Um, and the Phillies' power bats and the Phillies' most consistent bats are on the left side. Mm-hmm. And so that's something to look to, to again. But the other thing on the flip side of the ball is Aaron Nola has been extremely dominant at home this postseason. And on the road, he's been a, a little bit shakier. Um, obviously, in game one, he got hit around by the Astros. And so – the question I have for you, Jet, is what do you make of the rain out and how that affects the rest of the series? I mean, go go along with the rain out and the fact that the Phillies didn't even – the Astros didn't even make it a competitive game last night. I believe, what, Sir Anthony Dominguez, Jose Alvarado, no, a bunch, yeah. bunch of other guys, they had, like, what, four days off since the mm-hmm. last time they pitched. So just that right there, um, Phillies' bullpen – is going to be well rested. They're going to be able to use whoever they want these next couple of games. And obviously, you know. And last night we got away with using Ranger Suarez, yeah. Connor Brogdon, Kyle Gibson, which is. And Bellotti at the end, I thought. And, no? and Bellotti, yeah, and Bellotti as well. Can't forget him. But yeah. can't forget him. Well, I, yeah. I have something. I mean, obviously this is a question if you, if you were an Astros fan. But if you were an Astros fan, would you have preferred, based on the fact that the Phillies have so many good left-handed bats would you have preferred to see someone like maybe luis garcia when well, he's a righty or, or a lefty just to oh is, <laughs> is, is, is it funny up. now is it funny now is it still funny oh, well, i thought it was a lefty okay. but, uh, but the, the case being like it, just a lefty in general like 
Like having a lefty start um, off the game, I don't know that they don't have a, a good enough lefty as far as, far as starters go. But you if mean like an opener? Like an opener, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I mean I don't think. I mean I guess it, it works just because in the first inning you're facing Schwarber and Harper most likely. Yeah. Um, so I guess it does work in that sense. But I've never been a big believer in the opener anyway. I think it's it's fairly stupid and fairly. Um, Forget everything I just said. I thought, I, for some reason, I thought Luis Garcia was a left-handed pitcher. Um, Astros have one pitcher in their bullpen anyway that's a lefty, so this probably wouldn't work anyway. Forget what I said. <laughs> cancel the episode. Let's go home. Uh, not looking to cancel the episode, but I think I definitely think that the Phillies are the beneficiary of yeah. the rainout because the Astros – I mean, the story heading into the series was, oh, the Astros rotation is so much deeper, which it really is having McCullers and Javier going games three and four. But the thing is now we still have McCullers and Javier three and four, but now for us three and four turned into Ranger Suarez, who wouldn't have been available because he threw in the bullpen. Mm -hmm. Um, And now Aaron Nola. So that it's a massive difference really. And then in game five, we will see Noah Syndergaard because Zach Wheeler is facing some fatigue right now. And then if game six does come to, come to happen, we'll see Wheeler in game six to face yeah. off against uh, Framber Valdez again. Yeah, and, and obviously this is pretty – this is the statement I'm about to say is pretty obvious. But if, if the Astros don't win this game, the series is probably over just because coming back from 3-1, especially go, having to go up against – you know, yeah, it's Noah Syndergaard, but you're pitching Justin Verlander, a guy that has struggled – immensely in the yeah. World Series and I don't think I get you know probably gonna win the Cy Young but how could you have faith in him after what he's shown in the World Series and playoffs in general well, so um, and 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 another thing is his bread and butter is is a top-down curveball hmm. and the Phillies have been all over breaking balls this this uh right. series for some reason yeah but with those buzzers is. and video cameras right sure yeah right yeah we definitely had video cameras uh in Minute Maid uh, I saw something on Nick Castellanos' uh, chest. Yeah, well, he hasn't been hitting shit, so not working. If he's around. using, if he's using one, I'll be shocked. <laughs> uh, I really thought Nick Castellanos was gonna have a good game yesterday. Actually, you know, with the unfortunate news of the rapper Takeoff passing yeah. on, yeah, I thought. I would, uh, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to say something <laughs> not, not related to that. I was going to say that you know you finally have some defensive prowess. On, on your on the diamond with Nick Castellanos flashing the gold glove. Well, I was watching the game with my dad, and as soon as he made that oh, play. Oh, Carl. Carl yeah. Uh, yeah, Carl. Some of you may know him as Papa Carl. Um, as soon as Castellanos made this, the sliding catch and then Stott made the next play, I was like, we're winning this game. And he's like, off of two pitches, you're going to determine that. And I was like, listen, this is the worst defensive team I've ever seen in my life. Uh, we come out and make two nice plays behind Suarez to open – the confidence is through the roof. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but yeah, let's go ahead and get into the word of the day that Jed has prepared for us. And that is the word gooch valve. Yeah. So um, this was, a, this was an interesting um, search <laughs> to say the least. Um, you know, couldn't get a clear definition as to what this might be, but um, from what I'm finding it, it no, <laughs> 
this this kind of this kind of we'll call it a component. It, it has to do with the the automobile industry. Okay. Um, so it's a it, the, the full name for it is a gooch valve gear. Um, <laughs> basically, it's it's very you know I'm not sure how many people out there are familiar with cars, but it's very similar to the Stevenson link motion. Oh, why didn't you just say so? <laughs> for those for those of you um. Who are not familiar with the Stevenson Link motion? Basically, what it is, it's a simple design of valve gear that was widely used throughout the world for various kinds of steam engines. It was named after Robert Stevenson, but oh. it was eventually invented by his employees. But um, <laughs> the, the, the biggest difference between the Gooch valve and then the Stevenson Link motion is there's a quadrant that's fixed to the center position by means of a link, and then look inside. <laughs> And an intermediate link between the slide valve rod and quadrant can be moved to let either, either well, so you can let either of the eccentric rods actuate the slide valve via the intermediate link. And then basically, obviously, you apply this to the steamships and then the um, different different automobiles and the different cars and the different trucks and vans and you got yourself a gooch valve. It's a complicated process. I, I probably didn't explain it as, as best as people probably would have wanted to hear. Oh, and, and one, one other thing. Just like the Stevenson leg motion was invented by Robert Stevenson, um, we can't forget who the gooch, the gooch valve was invented by. Uh, Daniel Gooch. In <laughs> so basically what, what he was doing is he had these curved links um and his his whole thing when he was going through this process um just trying to find my my sources here so basically his curved links were supported by a hanger and the valve rod terminated in a die block capable of being moved either the end of the link or i think also like the reverse leather um there's pictures (laughs) and everything online if you kind of want to get a better visual from what this is but well you don't don't you you don't have the prop (laughs) no i don't have the prop uh, don't have the problem with me. Gonna have to go to my local valve store to uh to go get it. But um, thoughts? What are we doing? It's gotta be the it's gotta be the the, the worst five minutes uh that will be available on Spotify <laughs> throughout Spotify. I just, I'm, I'm just hoping honestly that it was clear what I was describing. I know a lot of a lot of familiar a lot of people out there aren't familiar with the the automobile train industry um right locomotives yeah. you know all that right. stuff no, but no, no. Yeah. um gooch valves are important because they without them you know we wouldn't have our modern day transportation that we have today so yeah so do you want to do the honors of relating that back to jimmy butler <laughs> <sighs> nothing jimmy butler <laughs> often plays like he has a gooch valve. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, so much for listening to this episode of the 258 Sportscast. Episode 61, we hope you enjoyed it. I'm Tommy. That was Jet talking about the gooch valve and the Stevenson link motion and Robert Stevenson and Daniel Gooch. <laughs> Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.